Hello and welcome to the Oasis Church Podcast. Chapter 4, from verse 13 to 22. So Boaz took Ruth into his home, and she became his wife. When he slept with her, the Lord enabled her to become pregnant, and she gave birth to a son. Then the women of the town said to Naomi, Praise the Lord, who has now provided a redeemer for your family. May this child be famous in Israel. May he restore your youth and care for you in your old age. For he is the son of your daughter-in-law who loves you and has been better to you than seven sons. Naomi took the baby and cuddled him to her breast and she cared for him as if he were her own. The neighbor women said, Now at last Naomi has a son again and they named him Obed. He became the father of Jesse and the grandfather of David. This is the genealogical record of their ancestor, Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Abinadab. Abinadab was the father of Nashon. Nashon was the father of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz. Boaz was the father of Obed. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of David. Wow, man. Um, So good to be here. Um, I'm Adrian, if you don't know me. Um, Man, like, didn't Udi read that so well to us? I don't know about you. Like, that was amazing. you, I don't know about you, I always find like a list of names, uh, like slightly, I try and skim it quite quickly because I always find it slightly boring, but man, I want Udi to read every list of names in the Bible to me. I was like, at the end, like, I keep going, this is amazing. We don't even get, look at it, that there's this amazing moment in that list of names that Udi read out to us that um, in number seven, which if you know like anything about the Bible, there's this reality of when something the seventh It's there in order to bring kind of the wonder of who God is and what he's doing. And in that list of names, it just so happens that Boaz, who we've been looking at, is number seven. It's just like that wonder of what the Bible does. But anyway, that's just a throwaway. Um, Great to be here. Good to be here, whether you're downstairs, whether you're upstairs, whether you're online. Um, Really good to have you around. If you're here for the first time, you are incredibly welcome. If you're kind of thinking, what on earth is going on? Hey, that's okay. We've all been there. Like I went to um, something similar recently. I went to an event and I just thought, "I, I haven't got a clue what's going on at this point in time. And it feels a bit vulnerable. You're like, I, I'm just watching the cues, what everyone else is doing. And I'll, I'll stand when they stand. I'll sit when they sit. That's okay. Like, please feel at ease. Like, we want everyone just to feel at home here. Um, we are, though, going to turn our attention to this wonderful story, this beautifully crafted story that we've been looking at over the last kind of seven, eight weeks uh, around the life of Ruth. 
which I think for those of us who've been on this journey looking at this um, incredible woman, that we've just discovered how her story that speaks of hope speaks into each and every one of our stories, hope. I don't know how you've arrived today. I don't know if you've arrived like high-fiving everyone as you're walking in or um, feeling like it just took everything to just drag yourself in. But I believe this story is going to speak into our lives again. Because the reality is we all need hope. Like, I find it, like, daily, I just look and I switch on the news, and I don't know, maybe it was Thursday, and you're hearing the budget announcements, and you're like, you know, deep breath in, oh, we need hope. Maybe it's just those moments of just frailty, of who we are as humans, and we just think, I I know I'm not enough. I know I've not got enough, and I just need hope. And here's the wonder, here's the beauty, is that God wants to come in this moment now and cause us to know hope. He's already been doing it through our sung time. Those different contributions keep pointing us to who God is as Father, Son, and Spirit and saying, hey, I'm one who's just going to interrupt you from time to time in order to what? To bring you hope. And today I want us to discover that the hope that God brings is a hope we can touch. I want us to see that today. It's a hope we can touch physically. And we're going to do that through kind of joining the dots. I don't know if you have ever done a dot-to-dot drawing. Like, they're my favorite because, like, you start off with this kind of list of dots on a page where you follow the numbers round, and when you kind of follow the numbers, suddenly, at the end, you see the image. And you think, wow, like, particularly for someone like me who's not brilliant at drawing, you suddenly feel like you've accomplished something. You join the dots and you've produced this picture. And... Today, I want us to look at some different stories, actually, some different pictures that actually, as you join the dots between them, they begin to reveal this wonderful picture to you and I of a hope that's on offer, a hope that we can touch. And the first dot, the first story we're going to look at is the one that we've just had read to us so excellently by Udi, which is the end of this story of Ruth. Because at the end of this story, what you discover is Boaz and Ruth kind of go to the back of the stage. They're there at the beginning of what Udi shared, but Boaz and Ruth are no longer in the scene. They're kind of like introduced, saying, hey, yep, all we celebrated last week of the hope of family was there. They have a child, a son. And then it's like the narrator says, oh, but but let's just move them aside for a moment. Let's put them in the background. And then he draws our focus in to Naomi and to this baby, and draws in and says, actually, let's just look at Naomi and this baby boy. Because as you look at them, you're going to discover the wonder of this hope, a hope that there is to touch. So let's start off then with Naomi. In verse 16 of chapter 4 that Udi read out to us, it says this, Naomi took the baby and cuddled him. I just love the beauty of it. She took the baby and held him, cuddled him close. And in it, it just says everything. It says everything of what was going on for Naomi. Because in this, no, in this moment, Naomi isn't just simply cuddling this baby and the joy that it brings. It's also the hope that she's touching as she's holding this baby. 
See, this is the woman that we were introduced to at the beginning of this story who's just full of despair. I'm just questioning, like, why has life gone the way it has? There is no hope. And in this moment, we see her cradling this baby, touching hope, a hope that then is kind of celebrated and proclaimed by these own unnamed women who are there celebrating with her. And you find that this hope that they're celebrating in, of all that she's touching, is one that's a hope for the now. As you find in verse 9 that they say, hey, this son that you're holding, oh, he's going to restore you. He is restoring you, Ruth. Like this hope that she's touching in this son is, is bringing restoration even then to who Ruth is. That her brokenness is being restored to wholeness. She simply holds this baby. It speaks of a hope for the now, a hope for the now that she's now enjoying, that is promising restoration. But these unnamed women don't just stop there saying, well, it's not just a hope for the now, it's a hope for the future. And so they continue in verse 9 and say, oh, oh this baby, like, he's going to not only bring you restoration now, he's going to bring you comfort for the future. Like, he's going to, care for you. He's going to provide for you. Like you can know as you touch this baby, Ruth, oh, sorry, Naomi, it speaks of a hope for the future that you can know deep comfort in, that you will be cared for, you will be provided for. Like gone is the moment of Naomi declaring that she's no longer to be known as Naomi, but rather to be known as bitterness. One who couldn't see a future. One who thought, my care is never going to be taken. It's, I'm never going to be cared for. I'm never going to be provided for. Suddenly, in touching this baby, these unnamed women announce saying, no, no, there's a hope now for the future. A hope where you can know comfort, because you will be provided and cared for. But also they say, actually, it's not just for you, Naomi. It's also that this baby that you're holding, that you're touching, actually, as you touch it, speaks of hope beyond you. Speaks of a hope for the future for the whole of God's people. They're going to be significant in God's plans. And the narrator kind of gets us to see that by kind of emphasizing the point for this genealogy at the end of saying, actually, this isn't any old baby this baby becomes the grandfather of David, like the best of kings. Saying, this is one who's going to bring hope for the future for all. But because we're not living in the moment of the heroes of this story, we're living in this moment, we also live with a greater sense of how this connects to the bigger story of the Bible, where we realize that this genealogy that stops at David, if we were to continue through in Matthew, we'd find that it then speaks of one who descends, who's Jesus. That this baby that Naomi's touching is speaking hope not only for her future, but for every future. I'm saying actually one's going to come. He'll bring hope for all. So that's the first dot. That's the first story. Let's join the dot 
to another story, another story that we'll get to reflect on and celebrate lots in over the coming weeks as we lead up to Christmas, and that's the story of Mary. Where in Luke chapter 2, verse 7, it says this about Mary. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger. Suddenly find Mary, having given birth to Jesus, holds him, wraps him, and then lays him in this manger. And in doing so, we find one again who's able to touch hope. You see, as she lays this Jesus in the manger, we find that she's quickly surrounded by some other witnesses. Just like Naomi was, where Naomi had this crowd of unnamed women around her, suddenly Mary finds this crowd of outsiders, these shepherds who kind of spill into the scene. If we were to continue reading Luke 2, and we find that these outsiders start to speak about a hope that she has just touched that speaks to her now, a hope for the now. As they speak and tell her that this baby that's been born, they've just been told by kind of angelic visitors, is one who's going to rescue all, who's going to bring peace for all. And then Luke kind of does this amazing thing of just narrating what that does for Mary, of how that brings her hope for the now. And he just says, Mary treasured these things in her heart. It's like in this moment, as she had touched Jesus, as she touched hope, it caused her to know that deep, profound comfort within her. A deep, profound comfort of everything that had been spoken about of who Jesus is. Something so deep and profound that it causes us to say, this is something I'm going to treasure in my heart, continuously contemplate and wonder at of who this baby is, of who this baby is to everyone, but who this baby is to me. You then find that in this story, you like fast forward a few days and suddenly there's some other witnesses that are brought around, Mary and her husband Joseph, as they take Jesus to be circumcised in the temple. And they're greeted by some odd characters, some elderly people. We've already heard about an older man amongst us. This was someone who was older. An elderly man, an elderly lady who'd been waiting for the promise of who Jesus is. Simeon and Anna. And having seen Jesus, they can't help but proclaim that he brings hope for the future. Both declaring like he's the one who's come to rescue everyone come to be the saviour of the whole world. In order that Mary, the one who's holding him, touching him, can know, no, this baby speaks of hope, not just for the now that she's treasuring in her heart, but a hope for the future. That through him, who she's physically touching, everyone, everywhere, throughout time, can be rescued can know that peace that's been spoken of, can know that wholeness. And it produces in her this hope for the future. The thing is, I don't want us to leave at that image, in that moment. I want us to join a third dot 
of a third picture, a third image. And that's of that baby, of Jesus. I want us to go to an upper room where Jesus is gathered with some friends, his disciples, where they're going to celebrate in the most simple of meals in order that there could be hope seen in what they touch. As we find in Luke 22, verses 19 to 22, it says this, Jesus, he took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. This profound moment of like a simple things of some juice and some bread. And Jesus redefines them. and says, I don't know, whenever you take this, you get to touch hope. You get to touch hope like Naomi did when she held that baby. You get to touch hope like Mary did when she held me. But it's more than that. It's not just a touch. Like Jesus instigates something that says, no, I'm going to give you hope not only you can touch, but that you can taste, that you can smell, that you can see, and that you can hear whenever it's spoken of, of what it is. Like it's a multi-sensory moment of bringing hope. I thought we were just taking some juice and bread and remembering what Jesus did. No, no, no. It comes in order to speak into our situation now. There is hope. Hope that you can take hold of. Hope that you can take in. Of the wonder of what Jesus did because it's a hope for the now. So Jesus says, whenever you take the bread, you're remembering, you're receiving my body broken to make you whole. Wow. Like, suddenly it's a sacred moment. I take the bread and I remember he's broken in order that I can be whole. I suddenly get to be like Naomi that knows that in this moment as she touches the baby, there's a hope for now because it speaks of restoration. A restoring that is going on, that as I take the bread, like Naomi, I remember I'm being restored. This isn't the end of the journey. There is hope. I get to be like Mary, who in the moment says, no, I treasure this in my heart, the wonder of what I'm receiving. As I take the bread, that Jesus is enough that Jesus is making me whole. I get to treasure it, get to contemplate it, get to wonder at it, at the hope that it brings to my now, regardless of the circumstances around me, a hope that I can touch. But it's not only a hope for the now, it's a hope for the future. That as we take the cup, we get to touch and remember we have a hope for the future that Jesus gets the final say. 
that Jesus has defeated death, that Jesus will return and put all things right. That's like a hope to dig into. That's a hope to touch. That's a hope to taste. That's a hope to hear. That's a hope to see. That's a hope to know. As we come and we gather and we say, actually, no, this, at this moment, as I drink, I'm receiving afresh this hope for the future. Like for some of us, there's friends within our community, there's friends in our family where they know that death feels very close. And this cup, as they take it, reminds them it is not the end. Jesus has the final say. For some of us, as we take this cup in the darkness that's surrounding us, in the despair that we're living with, it's allowing us to know as I take this, I'm reminded, I'm receiving afresh that this is not the end that Jesus has the final say. See, it's the hope we get to touch. Therefore, we're going to come and share and receive of this breath, of this cup. Why? Because in it, we get to touch hope. And that is fundamentally life-changing. Because it isn't just us willing something. is isn't just us thinking, oh, maybe I feel like it today. No, it's that we literally take it in our hands. We hold it. We touch it. We smell it. It smells good. We're going to taste it and receive it. Knowing that as we do, we're touching hope. A hope for the now and a hope for the future. And here's the deal. Jesus opens his table for everyone. Like, if you're here today and you're saying, I need hope, Jesus says, come and receive. If you're here today and you're saying, Jesus, I want to know more of your hope, then it's here. And he says, come and receive. Therefore, we're going to do that now. I'd encourage you, we're going to take a moment, 30 seconds of silence. And in that 30 seconds, I'd just like us just to take a moment and say, yeah, this is, this is where my life's at. And Jesus, this is where I need hope. And Jesus, I know as I come and I take of the cup and the bread, I'm going to get to receive your hope afresh, a hope for the now and a hope for the future. Now, for some of us in the room, we're going to think, well, I don't feel quite ready to do that. That's okay. Don't take the bread and juice. For many of us, we will. And after 30 seconds silence, I'll then say, do you want to just go and take some bread and juice, take it back to your chair, and then we're going to share it together. Let's just be silent now. I'm going to ask Becca, who's just going to play, just so it doesn't feel as awkward as we go. 
and just take some bread and juice. But can I encourage you just now to... I need one person to be brave enough just to move. And then everyone else will feel brave enough to move. But can we now go and take some bread and juice, bring it back to our chairs, and we're going to share together. Okay, Jesus took some bread, broke it, and said, my body broken in order that you can know wholeness. As we eat, we receive afresh of Jesus the hope that he's bringing, that he's restoring you, that he's restoring me, and the deep, profound comfort that brings to our hearts. Let's eat and receive this hope that we touch. In the same way Jesus took a cup and said whenever you take this you're remembering and receiving afresh a hope for your future a hope that promises nothing can separate you from the love of God a hope that promises that Jesus gets the final say a hope that promises that Jesus has defeated death a hope that promises he will return and make all things right. As we drink, we receive. Let's drink.
I wonder if I can just ask you to uh, stand where you are and just want to pray for us. I've got something else I want to do. Just where you are, just if you feel comfortable, I, I just encourage you just to put your hands out, just a way of saying, God, I'm open to you. There's nothing mystical in it, it's literally that. It's just saying physically, physical people, I just put my hands out, just saying, I'm open to what you've got for me. And I just want to pray for us. Jesus, I thank you for the profound hope that you bring us. I thank you for this, the wonder of communion. I thank you for the wonder of the bread and the juice, the wine, that it allows us to have hope that we can touch. It allows us to receive again afresh of a hope that you have for us now and a hope that you are bringing into our future. And I pray for each and every one of us in all that we've just received of you as we tasted it, as we've smelt it, as we've heard the word spoken, as we've um, seen it. I pray would you cause us to know that we've received you. No more complicated than that. We've received the hope that you and only you can bring. And I pray now as you said would be the case that your spirit would come and just reveal more of the wonder of that to us. I really ask that, Jesus.